how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In the confirmation, Anthony is on the fence about spending time with his hapless alcoholic father. Equally unsure of their upcoming time together, Walt, a freelance carpenter, picks up his son for what he assumes to be a calm weekend while his ex-wife and her new husband go off on a Catholic marriage counseling retreat. Starring Clive Owen and Jaden Libether, the father-son story was written and directed by Bob Nelson, best known for his Oscar-nominated screenplay, Nebraska. Much like the acclaimed 2013 film, The Confirmation also has an all-star cast of side characters including Maria Bella, Patton Oswalt, Stephen Toblowski, Tim Blake Nelson, and Robert Forster. The print version of this interview is also available on the Creative Screenwriting website. Uh, well, I started out uh, just wanting to get a job writing comedy, and uh, I just happened to live in the Seattle area. And this uh, show came on called Almost Live you know, back in 84, and I watched it a couple of years. And I had written some comedy back in college trying to emulate uh, Monty Python and Woody Allen. And when I saw this local show was doing comedy, uh, I, I wrote some stuff up and took it over there. And I, I got a job on the show as a cast member and writer on uh, in, in 1989. So I was basically just trying to, to write humor. I wasn't thinking in terms of uh, screenplays at that time. It was mainly sketch comedy and uh, monologue jokes and desk bits. Uh, there's a there's a lot of like deadpan humor in Nebraska and in Confirmation. Um, a lot of just like small town type characters. Are these more personal stories, or they just come up as you start to write to develop the characters? Uh, there's a lot of uh, personal history in, in both of the films. Uh, uh, Nebraska, that's uh, uh, Nebraska and uh, Confirmation. Really, the main character starts with my dad, even though they look so different. Uh, but uh, I, uh, you know, I grew up with To Kill a Mockingbird and Harper Lee, and uh, I uh, just uh, f trying to follow her example of taking things from your personal life and transforming them uh, so uh, again in Nebraska the uncles are like my uncles uh, some of the incidents uh, in Nebraska really happened my dad was shot down in the war 
Uh, he had his compre- air compressor stolen. And uh, for the confirmation, I was thinking about uh, uh, my dad being a mechanic. Uh, he also had his tools stolen all the time. And there's a, an Italian film, The Bicycle Thief, uh, mm-hmm. where the dad, dad has his bicycle stolen, of course. And uh, uh, I, was, I was thinking of, of that film as well and, and how that tied into my own personal history and that maybe I could take that idea and run with it in a uh, little different direction, but uh, uh, with a lot of the, the same thoughts in mind. So, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, personal stuff in both, but uh, you know, it, by the time I'm, I was done with both, pretty much transformed it in more fiction uh, than fact, but uh uh, I certainly relied on uh, my, my own life for both of them. Did you write these stories um, somewhat together, or did like, the confirmation come about after the, the success of Nebraska? Uh, it, uh, yeah, I wrote Nebraska a long time before, it, around 2002. And then I, uh, when Nebraska was optioned, I, was, I got uh, studio work doing assignments, and I did it for a few years, and nothing was getting made. So I decided to take a break and write some more originals. And uh, I've written about five scripts, and this is the first I've gone out with, with the confirmation. And uh, I think I started working on this about five years ago. And uh, um, at the time, I was thinking if I really want to have a better chance of movies getting made, that I would have to also transform myself into a director. Uh, I did directing in, in local television, but I hadn't done anything bigger than that. But um, I, I thought I'd need to really try and and, and uh, make it uh, uh, because if, if it was uh, successful at all, I'd have a much better chance of getting the others made. And um, About that time, uh, Winter's Bone came out. And, um, mm-hmm. So uh, watching Winter's Bone... I, I was thinking if I want to direct uh, a simple story like this, it's the place to start. And it has some similarities uh, to the confirmation. It's a small community with uh, 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 you know, uh, the, our protagonist uh, on the search in this community. And uh, uh, not a lot of characters, uh, 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 a realistic feel to it. So... Uh, with my dad's personal history, Bicycle Thief and uh, Winter's Bone all getting in my head, uh, I just started thinking of, of going back uh, to the well again on, on my personal history and uh, just decided that uh, the, uh, the the confirmation would work. I think the, the final uh, thing that brought it together is that I started a friend of mine and and we, we both uh, talked about how we would sometimes spend some time in the trucks outside of taverns mm-hmm. and that, that we probably saw each other out there someday and, and right. we, know, we know each other yet. And so when I started to write this, I got a notebook out and I just started filling it with ideas. But the first line I wrote down was uh, two boys sitting in trucks outside a tavern. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I, it started. Then I... Tried to think of all the things from real life I could, and uh, when I ran out of those, I started inventing things around it. Let's see. Did the directing process change your writing process at all, or is it pretty standard? Uh, well, you know, 
when you're just going to be the writer, I think uh, you, you don't think in terms of how difficult she will be. You just uh, you can it's the director's problem. But since I, this would be low budget and I would be directing, I did keep that in mind. I, I don't think it influenced the script a lot, but uh, a little bit on the edges. For instance, uh, you know, we had 22 shooting days, so there's a part in the confirmation where a, a lady six a dog on him. So instead of uh, having a real dog, I decided that she had this device that uh, made barking sounds like a dog. And right. part of that's a joke, but part of it's because I didn't want to lose a half a day to uh, dog wrangling if, uh, <laughs> right. if we had troubles with the dog chasing us. So uh, sometimes the uh, uh, keeping the, the budget shooting days in mind uh makes you think of things like that. And, uh, you know, Monty Python did that with the coconuts and, uh-huh. and holy grails. <laughs> and they asked why. They said because we couldn't afford the horses. <laughs> so that's pretty much, yeah, I'm uh, doing a Monty Python there. Yeah, the, yeah, the low budget brings out the uh, creativity. Um, yeah, that's right. What, what other type of cinematic influences come to mind when you're either making or writing these types of films? Uh, well, I grew up on, in the uh, Billy Wilder uh, through Hal Ashby, uh, and now these days Alexander Payne, which uh, who I admired before uh, he uh, ever got a hold of Nebraska. And I guess the the tying link to all of those people is a, a lot of their films are very uh, realistic and uh, have a, a mixture of uh, drama and humor. The, mm-hmm. uh, that dramedy word, which we all hate, but uh, is still the closest, I guess, we have. And I always wanted to do, you know, I've, I've been writing pure comedy for 10 years, so the chance to do a little drama uh, was really appealing to me. Uh, but uh, coming from a comedy background, I, I kind of fell back on that as well, so I ended up uh, doing things like that. But, uh, um, you know, Horton Foot was a uh, an influence on he he did the adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird for film mm-hmm. and uh, he also had a couple of his own uh, trip to bountiful and tender mercies which uh uh if, if you look at Nebraska and confirmation you can see some similarities and uh, to Horton Foot so yeah I grew up, grew up on uh those guys and uh uh, these days, you know Charlie Kaufman, and uh, you know, I, I've been watching Tom McCarthy's career, where he started out making a s- small budget movie, The Station Agent, and mm-hmm. gradually worked his way up to The Visitor and Win Win, and all of a sudden he's he's doing Spotlight, um, right? So uh, uh, I just thought that uh, he was someone uh, to try to emulate, uh, but uh, you know I like. Kenneth Lonergan, you can count on me. Uh, things like that. That uh, uh, there's a there's a lot of fantasy out there right now, uh, and and I do like uh, uh, some of that. But uh, it seems like there's a uh, the uh, reality uh, the reality uh, genre is is uh, lacking right now. So I, I I thought there might be a, an opening for me there. Okay. Um, let's see. You mentioned some drama. There is a pretty dark scene with the uh, 
it seems like Anthony is kind of um, keeping his father from getting any alcohol with various reasons, and he goes through that withdrawal scene. Is that based on a, a true story, or is that just something like, how did that scene come about? Uh, yeah, this is based on a true story. It happened to me. Uh, I was a little older than Anthony, but uh, still not old enough to understand what was going on. Right. So I I, I did uh, witness that. So, yeah, that one comes straight out of real life, pretty much. And and I did just to try and hide the bottles when I was a kid. Right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, that one's uh, pretty close to what I experienced. It does seem like, I mean, at the end, despite these, you know, he's not in the best of situations still, but it does seem optimistic. Was that kind of your intention? Do we have high hopes for the father and son and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, I, uh, my favorite endings of movies are bittersweet endings. Uh, just a slight update. Uh, it's, I, uh, uh, the ones I've written so far have humor in them. Uh, I think once you introduce humor... Uh, yeah. To end on a down note uh, is a little dangerous. Uh, the Bicycle Thief has some humor in it, but not a lot. It's it's basically a drama, and there's a couple of lighthearted scenes. So uh, he, he was able to have an ending that's al- almost tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I have in mind that if I'm trying to make people laugh a few times during the movie, that I, I can't leave them out there. Um it is interesting, you know, you write these things and then uh, you're sometimes surprised how people respond. And there's, uh, the response to this is the ending is, is fairly upbeat and that it looks like Walter is, Walt has pretty much built, beat, beat this. But, uh, he's, uh, when he says the line, uh, at the end, uh, when the, when the boy says, uh, you, you're going to come next week and the dad says, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, my thought was, uh, we're not really sure he'll be there, but I want the audience to participate in a way in that scene. So I want the audience to be saying, I think, you know, I hope you will, or I really believe you will, uh, instead of just uh, saying, uh, yeah, he's absolutely fine now and everything's going to be fine from here on. Uh, uh, my intention was that it's still a little shaky as to what's going to happen in the future, but we all hope that it will turn out all right. And, uh, uh, yeah. And the, as far as the uh, mixture of the uh, humor and comedy, uh, tragedy, uh, uh, Billy Wilder has a, a, a scene. You've, you've seen the apartment. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. It's one of my favorite films of all time. And, uh, He's really great at being able to mix these. When there's a, a, a suicide scene, attempted suicide scene in the apartment, and when uh, Jack Lemmon comes in and, and, and finds the woman in his bedroom having taken pills, he rushes to the doctor next door, but he has his woman with him. And so this is a fairly tragic scene. But in the middle of this, while he's running around, the woman that he's with, that doesn't know what's going on and said a couple of funny things. And uh, I, don't, I don't know how he pulled that off, but it, it works and it doesn't take you out of the, the scene at all. It's just this bizarre uh, mixture. Uh, so uh, I, I didn't try anything quite that daring here, but uh, I, was, I was trying to escape the line between two. 
Someone else mentioned that exact scene to me one time in here. I think it might have been Sam Charlotte, right? Manhattan. I'll have to go look at my notes to see who that was. But he said almost the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, I got a couple uh, more. She said, yeah, she says, uh, he, he's funny. I, I, I forget his line, but she says, well, you don't have to do it right now or something. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty deft filmmaking. I'm sorry, uh, what was your next one? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just got a couple more. Um, okay. I'm not going to ask everybody. So when it's besides, you know, writing down your personal notes and that kind of thing, um, what are some of your writing rituals? Like when you're in the room alone writing, what what do you do? How do you start your day? That kind of thing. Uh, well, I know a lot of writers seem to write in the morning. I write at night. I usually write from nine to three uh, when things are quiet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I usually kind of uh, slide my way into it. I don't... Uh, I, at nine o'clock, I don't necessarily uh, jump in and start typing. Um, uh, if I've already been writing things, I'll I'll uh, take time to uh, read what I wrote uh, the night before, uh, and then just kind of uh, work myself into it because I I procrastinate as much as anybody, and I, I think one trick to overcome that is to. <laughs> Uh, gradually work your way into the work, and so maybe the first half hour, I'll I'll look over what I've written, look at my go through my notebook again, look at my outline, and then maybe type a line or two, and then after a while, I really want to start get going again, and uh, so that's kind of that's my rich ritual. Uh, I, it's uh, I, I don't usually just uh, jump into it, but uh, uh, at a certain point, you got to go and uh, start putting something down again. Right. He said this script was about 22 days shooting. How long did it take you to write like the draft? Like, well, how long would it take you to write a draft of the film? Well, the draft that we sent out for financing was uh, probably three months for, uh, and then I, I always keep rewriting. So as, as it was out there, I, I kept rewriting, and I rewrote even through production right up to uh, each day shooting. But uh, for the, the the main body of the work, that uh, it's still pretty intact. Uh, three months is about my time. I, I usually have my first, my first draft done within 30 days if I've outlined fairly well. Mm-hmm. I try to get about three pages a day uh, for and write for 30 straight days. And then I spend the next... Uh, two months rewriting. When you're rewriting in these in these personal stories, is it difficult to make cuts? Is it harder because it's the way things actually happen in certain ways? Uh, yeah, probably. I'm probably more reluctant to take out things that really happened. Uh, and, uh, 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 and, and and because, yeah, I, I, I want to... Uh, I trust the things that are personal a little more, I guess, than the ones that I make up because they're... Right. They're grounded in reality. When, when you start making up stuff around it, it, it can be sometimes you can go a little broad, or uh, uh, it might be something that you haven't experienced, which which we all have to start writing about at some point. But I, uh, uh, yeah, I kind of try to anchor it with uh, the real stuff, and uh, even if it's been transformed some in the writing, uh, it, it just uh, uh, makes me feel that I'm. I'm uh, uh, Somewhere close to reality, and I haven't. Uh, uh, it, it's uh, something that uh, I can relate to, and hopefully other people can 
can relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I do. I do tend to cling to those uh, those nuggets uh, a little longer than anything else. Is there anything like back, you know, before he had written Nebraska back in the early 2000s? Is there anything you wish you had known, or any advice you'd pass along to upcoming writers? Uh, be, before I wrote Nebraska, the, yeah, uh, like before uh, you got into, the, you know, your first six, or big success and that kind of thing. Is there anything you wish you had known about screenwriting? Um. Well, let's see. Yeah, a few things probably. Um, I, I think uh, the main thing is uh, I was helped out on this because I, I came from sketch comedy, so I I, I did learn from writing three-minute sketches uh, how to create a world and characters and keep the dialogue and uh, the, the story very tight and have it pay off in three minutes. And mm-hmm. so, and from studying uh, the, the people that I liked, I, I, I already went into it knowing to keep things tight, but uh, uh, Alexander Payne did a pass on Nebraska and he tightened it even more. And I thought when I wrote the confirmation that it was pretty tight, but as we were nearing, as we started to get into pre-production, I realized that, uh, I should tighten it even more because uh, trying to make my days and then just really trying to decide what's what's really necessary. I, I I kept in a few things in the confirmation that aren't totally necessary for the story, but that I liked. Right. Uh, uh, there's there's some theories that there should be nothing in your script that does not in, uh, further the story. Uh, whereas I'm more of the camp of I pretty much do that, but I also like things that enhance the characters or enhance the story, even though they they could they could technically be cut, right? Uh, but I, I uh, but uh, I, I the screenplays that people have sent me to look at the biggest mistake by far is not uh, cutting and keeping it very tight. Uh, uh, dialogues, uh, dialogue often rambles on for pages or, uh, their descriptions are much more, uh, than you need. Uh, I, I don't know that I knew that before I started writing a screenplay that I, I do think in, unless it's very important that you, sh- you shouldn't be describing anything you can't see on the screen. I often see screenplays where people are telling what the character is thinking. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, other descriptions that you, you would know by, uh, watching the film. So I, right. I think you have to be very careful on that. But, uh, the, and, and the other big reason for all of this is when you finally get somebody to read the screenplay, and I, I have to do that to this day, I'm going to go out here with some of these new ones, uh, in the next year or two. And you only get that first time that these, uh, producers or financiers read it and you want to make sure you have your story in exactly how you want, but you don't want them to uh, have to wind their description or, or dialogue that just rambles. So uh, it's a big deal for uh, your script to stand out once you get it in these people's hands, that it be tight and, and ready to go. Okay. Um, in your opinion, what makes a good story? Uh, to, to me, it always comes down 
to the uh, the uh, characters, the people involved, and uh, and what they're going through. And um, for instance, on the information, the uh, uh, I haven't gotten in there with the toolbox, uh, but it's not a total MacGuffin because the toolbox is is very important to this guy's life, and 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 because of that, I, uh, so. I think it's important to first start with the characters, what they need and want, and 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 what's happening to them, and what in in confirmation what the boy wants. And, uh, uh, so take it a little further. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, sometimes in, in movies you'll see that it's just this one layer. So I I like to start with that, but I also like to put other themes and layers below that and. Uh, so, in the confirmation, it's the father-son relationship. To me, the stories all come down to relationships. Right. And that's by my favorite. I'm not a huge sci-fi fan, but I do like sci-fi or fantasy when it's grounded in in these characters. And, you know, like the first Alien had such good characters to me that uh, uh, I was immediately taken by that. But a lot of sci-fi is so fascinated with the CGI aspects and, and that kind of stuff that they, they lose the characters. So I, I think no matter what genre, it could be whole, uh, the best horror movies have these characters that you like. They're not just these cardboard cutouts. Uh, but I also like to, like I say, take it a step further and develop other themes. And since Confirmation and Nebraska both have a theme uh, in common of of the working class having lost so much ground in the last 30 or 40 years mm-hmm. uh, that in Nebraska, the, the only way it seems to to get ahead is to, to win a lottery or sweepstakes. In right. confirmation, you see working class people just kind of feeding off of themselves because the, their wages are not keeping up with uh, the economy and the, the jobs are are coming and going more and not as steady. Uh, so I like to, uh, you know, that's not a, not the main theme of either one of those. But I like to develop other themes below it. So even if people aren't thinking about it and they're watching the movie and in the confirmation, they're probably just thinking about the dad and son's relationship. But I like to uh, uh, develop other things below uh, that. And, and the other thing I think is important is, I think whatever character you introduce, no matter how small the role, is to think of them as a human being and not just a prop for your um, main characters. And uh, so, uh, I, I try to give everyone their own little story if I can. And mm-hmm. uh, in confirmation, you have the Patton Oswalt's character Drake, right? Uh, and uh, even Tim Blake Nelson, who's, who's mainly a, a uh, a pretty bad guy, but there are a couple of hints that uh, he's not all bad. There is something there. Uh, right. Um, so I think it's important to give as much dimension as you can to all the peripheral characters as well. And, you know, even if I have a hotel maid walking by for five, ten seconds, I, I would try and add something in there of a personality so that you're watching the movie, you're not just thinking that you're seeing this real person who's uh, involved in their world, and this person probably has their own story as well. 
we're just not seeing it right now. But uh, uh, I, I, I think it's really important to, to give every uh, uh, person that that's in your story some respect as much as possible. Yeah, I love your side characters. They remind me, you don't see a lot of movies today. They remind me of like Coen Brothers and recently like Jeff Nichols, but every little character has oh, yeah. a thing and, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it just, uh, you know, I, I'm not, like I said, I don't know that people pick up on the immediately, but uh, I think those type of films will resonate longer uh, in people's uh, consciousness or, uh, or subconscious. Uh, uh if uh, there's a little bit in there that uh, that's almost hidden, but uh, somehow you pick up on it, and, and hopefully it'll it stays with with the viewer longer because of that. Right. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about the film? Uh, no, I mean uh, it was just uh, to me it was uh, uh, fun to write because I was getting back to my roots and uh, family history and. Uh, it's not, like I said, it's not a ton of family history in there, but just by starting with that, it, it gave me this, uh, uh, uh it, it really spurred me on and kept me writing. And, uh, I wanted to pay respect to my dad again and what he went through. And, uh, um, you know, so, sometimes, uh, 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 when we're trying to come up with, uh, writing these things, uh, little exercises can help. And uh, one thing I did on the confirmation was uh, uh, I, I was just trying to think of, I thought it'd be funny if you took a boy who's really good and doesn't really sin and have him break pretty much every commandment in, in a day. <laughs> right. So that that gave me kind of a basis to start too when I was filling out the notebook. And so I went through all you know the and commandments, you know, there's a couple of variations on the commandments, but I realized that that a boy could uh, break at least six commandments, uh, but there were about four more that he couldn't. So for those, I I just came up with things that uh, were more of a symbol of him breaking a commandment, right? And those actually, by having that writing exercise, it actually helped me in the plot. Uh, and, and deepening the characters, and, and one of them, thou shalt not kill. That's why he kills the the, the insect. Okay. Uh, shouldn't covet your neighbor's wife. That's why he's looking at the other kid's girlfriend like that. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Uh, a bear false witness uh, was probably the best one for me because that's why when they come back in, and his dad has Vaughn on the ground, and he tells him, uh, uh, tell him what Roger said. Yeah. Uh, that actually helped. Give me the idea that Vaughn didn't steal the tools that Roger did. Because I was trying to think of how would how would Anthony bear false witness of it against somebody. So it gave me the idea to that Roger would steal the tools and that he would rat him, he would lie about uh, to get Vaughn to admit that Roger stole them. Uh, but that enhanced uh, instead of just having Vaughn, which he probably predict uh, steal the tools, it gave me another dimension. So these kind of uh, things can, uh, can can help you as well if you come up with a, a, a tool like that. Uh, and, uh, so uh, and uh, uh, the false idols is when he's praying uh, for his dad, and you have uh, uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy and Albert uh, Einstein 
looking all around. The, po- the posters, yeah. It, yeah. Did, it did seem like he was all good, like in the first scene with the, with the priest and like that. And then it's almost yeah. like he doesn't even know about these bad things until he says, well, all boys do this. And he, it seems like he immediately goes out and we don't know if yeah. like he lies to his mother just to, hey, I have something to say the next time he goes back, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just thought uh, it would be a, 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 a funny device to, right. to have. And the other thing was, I was trying to make sure that when he was breaking these commandments, it was actually for, in a, in, for a good cause or right. uh, kind of a, still an innocent uh, uh, breaking of the commandments. And, yeah, because he, he does touch on the white lie with, uh, I told her her cookies were good. Is that wrong? And the guy can't. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations and, uh, on the film. Yeah. I loved it. It was great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, oh, thanks, Mark. appreciate it. Yeah. Is there anything else you're working on you could mention or just kind of taking a break right now? Well, I'm tied up with an Amazon TV project. Uh, I, there's a pilot up called Heiston, H-I-G-H-S-T-O-N. Okay. And uh, we've got to go ahead to shoot five more later this year, so I'll be writing those. Cool. Um, but it's kind of a, a take off. Uh, did you ever see the Jimmy Stewart movie Harvey? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 uh, the bunny thing? Yeah, yeah, where he imagines a big rabbit. Well, I, uh, in yeah. Heiston, it's a 20-year-old boy who is uh, confused by the world. So to help him through it, he imagines that celebrities are his friends. And okay. In the uh, pilot episode, we have Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> and Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers cool. together. Uh, I have a couple of film scripts ready to go out, so I'll probably do uh, rewrites on those during the year and, and try and take them out before the year's over see if I can get another film made thank you so much for tuning into the show before you leave don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course master the freelancer mindset this system will teach you exactly how to find clients online which includes step one the psychology of the mindset step two how to create a killer profile and step three how to find quality clients This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monaghan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.